Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Hey y'all, welcome back to Mandy and the F-Bomb. On this episode, we've got Ben Young, and Ben's a friend of mine um, all the way back from high school, you know, like a lifetime ago. And um, we reconnected because Ben's family um, became a foster family, so kept up over the years, and now he's here with us on Mandy and the F-Bomb. I'm so excited to have him. Ben is a foster dad and a community advocate, and um, I'm excited to hear, because I already know a little bit. I'm excited to hear what he's got to say. Ben, thank you so much for being here. Mandy, I appreciate the invitation and the ability to live my calling and, and bring, bring light to foster care and adoption. I'm really excited about it. Oh, me too. So um, we talked about a little bit before. So um, it's been a long time, y'all, since Ben and I had a conversation. Um, we've kind of kept up with each other via social media, um, which, you know, if you say it in the wrong way, it's like, man, I've been watching you for the last 15 years. That is so creeptastic. So creeptastic. <laughs> I see you laughing at me. Um, ben is calling in. He's actually um, in North Texas. So he's calling in, and I'm I'm watching him on my iPhone. But anyway, so I've been keeping up with his family, and was excited whenever you guys um, started your foster care journey. Can you tell me tell me a little bit about um, you and Tara and your family, and what prompted y'all to kind of roll into foster care? Yeah, for sure. So um, a little bit about me and the family first. We'll kind of start there. Uh, I I was in the Air Force for about eight years. Um, I met my wife, Tara, when I was stationed in Denver. We dated for a little while. Uh, then we got uh, decided that we were going to get married. Um, I had a, a short tour in Korea, and we got married shortly after my tour in Korea. And uh, we really didn't wait very long to have children. In fact, I, I believe with the math, we had our, our, our biological son nine months to the day after our wedding day. So... That's some timing. Um, we, it, it was it was interesting timing. What was really interesting was learning how to live with each other and and understand each other's personalities better while going through a pregnancy in the middle of the summer in Texas. That was kind of a oh, and she's from really Colorado. She's from Colorado. Oh my gosh, um, it was very That's brutal. Um, it, it was it was brutal. Um, and during that time, I had also decided to transition out of the military, out of the Air Force, 
and uh, and open a business, a brick and mortar business uh, for for risk management. So all this time we had moved states, um, we had started a new business. Uh, we were pregnant with with Wyatt at the time, and fast forward, uh, we have a kid. You know, nine months down the road after marriage. Um, after we had started to learn a little bit more about each other and and how to be parents, uh, because, you know, we were still really new in this together, uh, Tara and I were sitting in church one, one morning, a Sunday morning, and uh, as we do every Sunday, we get these little pamphlets of what's kind of going around, what's going on around the church. And without each other knowing, uh, you know, we're listening to the sermon, we're kind of taking a look through the notes, and uh, I circle a little portion on my notes that says, hey, there's a, a foster group engagement meeting to learn about becoming a foster parent. And I've always kind of had a want to explore that and understand more because of previous things that, you know, our family has gone through in my younger years. And yeah, so, I know your family has been uh, touched just, by adoption. That's cool. Absolutely. And so uh, we get out of church, we're walking back to the car and, and we, we get Wyatt buckled up, we sit down in the car and Tara reaches for her same pamphlet and she says, hey, uh, I saw this thing on here and she had circled the same thing. And so we're thinking, oh my, okay, this is, uh, I guess God's going to tell us something here. So, uh, you know, it's like a week down the road and we're like, all right, well, let's make a plan. We're going to go to the church. We're going to figure this out. So we do. We, we, uh, we go to this class. We get a babysitter for Wyatt. Actually, I think my mom kept Wyatt that day. Uh, we spent about four hours in a room with a couple of different uh, fostering and adoption agencies, uh, specifically Christian Homes for Children uh, was one of the main speakers. Uh, and we sat around and we talked about it. And we just kind of both felt that that was our, our calling um, as a couple. Like that's where we were supposed to serve. It wasn't teaching Sunday school or doing something different. It was, hey, we need to go serve and, and do this. Um, so keep in mind at this time, we had only been married about a year, year and a half, and we're still trying to figure things out. So we both felt like we had some work to do on ourselves and within our relationship to be mentally prepared uh, for something like that, which turns out, I don't know that you can ever be truly mentally prepared for all of it. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, you did you, you figure can? out how to do that? Cause <laughs> no, if you did, we, now's the time speak. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't quite make it that far, um, but uh, you know, we kind of kept up and what was really interesting is every week or two, we'd, we'd be introduced to a new couple um, just randomly uh, in the community or friends that were fostering somebody or they had just adopted a child and it just kept happening. We just kept getting that exposure over and over and over again. Like it was just naturally part of the groups that we were supposed to be in. So we'll fast forward a year, you know, we've, we've kind of gotten going with the business. Um, Wyatt's a little older. Um, and then we go sit down with the case manager at Christian homes and mm -hmm. we talk to her for hours, you know, she comes over to the house and we're, we're talking for hours. She's asking every question under the sun because I'm a big planner. I'm a big type A. I, I feel like I have to have control over a situation and I don't want to be. <laughs> and so you decided foster care was for you. you so I decided foster <laughs> care was for me. Little did I You're know, a glutton it, it, for it, punishment. It becomes, 
That's right. It becomes super humbling really fast. Um, but we talked for a while and she gave us a big pack and said, all right, you know, fill all this out and, and then let's talk. Wouldn't you know, it took me maybe another six months to decide that I was going to fill that out. Um, because I just kept thinking, man, I'm going to fill this out and it's going to like, it's going to start the next day. And I just not ready. Like my heart wasn't ready. Um, I just felt like there was just more growing. Um, and then I just kept thinking, you know, at the same time, like, how is this going to feel for my son? You know, mm-hmm. our biological child, like, how's he going to feel? Like, and how old is Wyatt is he gonna at like this it? time? Is he not? Uh, so at that time, uh, when we had had the conversation, he was about 18 months old. Um, and then you, another six months later, so he was about two? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was about two, um, and then we started filling out the application. So And we get all the way through it. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask, like, I know I talk to a lot of, of women, but here's the thing. And in, in most cases, not all the cases, but in most cases in, in foster care, um, obviously women are one half of a relationship. And a lot of times there's a dude on the other half. Um, yeah. So what I have encountered in talking to women and also sometimes talking to the guys in these relationships, it's um, not necessarily that they think of foster care and they think absolutely not. I, I don't want to help these kids. Um, what they think is, this is too unknown. I don't know how to protect my family from something that's unknown. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, like, what was it in your case? Was that some of it? Was it something else? Honestly, that's probably the biggest part of it is there's uh, an inherent fear with letting your house open and changing the dynamic of your family that you're trying to build. Mm. You have this, you have this idea as a man, you know, you get married and you decide that you're going to start a family. You have this idea that it's supposed to go a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know us from, I mean, you know me when I was a kid, it's, we didn't have this involved in our family when I was growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had, yeah, this is I brand had biological new. siblings. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not the way I was raised. Not that it's bad the way I was raised. It's that it wasn't common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my reservation truly was, how does this disrupt things? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of figured out that my ideals were being more selfish versus what I'm being called to do than, than being open with an open heart and accepting somebody that can't care for themselves. I mean, ultimately that's kind of where it came through to us that and made, made me decide that, okay, well, it's, it's time to, to finish this and do our background checks and our home study was understanding that this is bigger than what I am and that the need is still incredibly great here. I mean, in, in my area alone, I mean, they were, they were putting kids in our county three, four, five counties over because there's not enough homes for the kids to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more I spent time thinking about just that raw fact, I mean, it, it breaks my heart. Um, it breaks my heart to know that the kids don't have a place or they don't have parents that can adequately care for them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what pushed me in that direction. But to was answer that the your need question, was not going anywhere? Yeah. Okay. The need wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, but it didn't, it didn't change my, my slowness, uh, to get to the starting line, to be fair. Cause it was, I mean, I, I had to figure out that it was me getting in my own way. It was letting my fears control, 
what I thought we could or could not manage in our mm-hmm. house. Well, and um, so let me ask, was it um, the fear of like um, getting attached to the kids and them moving on? Was it um, the fear of, you know, how these kids would interact with Wyatt or um, just how the dynamic would change kind of in general, like having more kiddos to pay attention to and, or was it like interacting with um, bio parents or caseworkers? So there's a little bit of each. I think my largest fears were going to be for me and, and Tara is completely separate. Tara's has always been, you know, interaction, loving the children and then maybe having to move on uh, or go back with their biological families, like just growing attachment. Mine has always kind of been the interaction with, uh, with Wyatt, my son, um, and what that's going to look like on the outside. Like, are they going to have experiences that we can't handle in the house? Are they going to have trauma in their life that is exceptional? Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to have been born with addictions? Mm-hmm. Um, those things to me, and I mean, I, even when I still think about it, we've gone through this whole process. I still think about it. And I well up a little bit because I think to myself, how, how, how can you like, how can you be prepared or how can you prepare your heart for something that could happen like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so my, yeah, my fear was, it really was just not, you know, how are they going to treat Wyatt? Is it going to be scary for him? Is he going to adapt to being a big brother without having like that nine months leading up? Like where he watches mm-hmm. his mom grow and, you know, grow a baby or is he just going to take to it? Um, mm-hmm. And then what you do after, uh, you know, where they're coming from, are they just going to hate us? Mm-hmm. Um, is it the best move for us? Are we capable parents? Mm-hmm. Because we only had one kid and we were new. Um, and that's kind of where, that's where my reservation was, mm-hmm. but you know, was able to kind of get over it. Why it's two and a half. Uh, we saw the applications, we get everything done. And it, it took a solid three months for our background checks, fingerprints and home study to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went and did a couple of those. Uh, I mean, they're like little in-service classes yeah. uh, to, to finish our, basically our licensing and CPR and all that stuff. And so why it's about three at that point in time. And we finally just finished and turned in our financials for our, the group that we were working for. And then just one day they said, okay, are you ready to be open? You know, you you have this application, like who would you accept? And so we kind of just decided to not disturb things too much. We would accept children that were younger than our biological. That was what was recommended to us mm-hmm. was to accept children that were, that would not necessarily disrupt the hierarchy in the house. Mm-hmm. So not somebody older than Wyatt, but anywhere younger. So we just kind of opened it up and said, Hey, anybody is fine. And I was like one, one kid. Right. <laughs> this right. Is, you're trying to maintain <laughs> some control there, huh? I was, I was trying to maintain control. I didn't want to be outnumbered. Um, you know, there's two, <laughs> two parents and we had one kid already. I was like, Man on man. We want to say man on man and not switch to some zone defense, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't (laughs) want to do that yet. And, um, they turned our, they turned our stuff on and three days later it was a Saturday and we got a call, uh, late at night for a little boy coming from a different County than where we, where we were in that was being displaced. Um, and so we were thinking, Oh, well, great. We got a little baby coming and he was good. Good kid removed for some really sad reasons. Mm. Um, but he, you know, it was, it was weird because we got to about 10 days in and we had just 
finished setting up cribs and buying everything that under the sun that we needed to buy for having a, a fresh new baby in our house. Uh, Wyatt fell in love with the kid already. I mean, he's like, I have a brother. This is awesome. Um, and then we get a call one afternoon. They say, hey, you know, his circumstances of removal were a little out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And they they should not have been there when they were there. And so he's going to go back and he's going to stay with family. Okay. Is he really like, well, we don't really know yet, but that's kind of where it's leaning. And so this is Mm -hmm. a Friday morning and we're like, okay, well, 10 days. Okay. I mean, it's it's not terrible. We love the kid. He's a good kid. It's an adjustment. And then about 11 o'clock that morning, which is two hours after that phone call, I get another call from our caseworker and says, Hey, I know you still have displacement, but we have sisters uh, four months and two years old that are being removed as we speak. Can you take them? I'm like, um, let me call you back, right? <laughs> I, like, I feel like that's a good I'm, response. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I'm, I'm capable of making this call. <laughs> and right there in the and middle like, of like, saying goodbye to to a child that you would become you know to care about and gosh I can't imagine like that's that's some stuff it was weird and uh I called Tara and she's just like you know honestly right now I'm not in the emotional state of mind to make a decision you you have to make the call oh rough so I get off the phone with her and I look at my phone and I've got a text message with her, from our caseworker with their picture in it. I'm like, why would you do that? You know, <laughs> why, why would you do that? Two sweet little girls are just, you know, looking up at the camera, just adorable. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I, I think, um, I think you told us this morning or, I mean, it wasn't our caseworker that told us that our first place was going to potentially go home. It was the state's caseworker. And um, I just, I thought to myself, I was like, some something bigger is is saying you know prepare yourself mm. and this could have been the step and this could have been why we got the next call and so I said yeah okay um okay you know bring him over and mm-hmm. I called Tara back and I said I'll be home in about an hour tried to wrap some stuff up at work um, they said the caseworker will be there in two hours um she was there way before that she beat me home oh, I was no. a mile away oh. from the house poor Tara so yeah, it was really it was really rough right right then, and um, we uh, I, I got home and she's just sitting there, and, and she has got this defeated look on her face, like so stressed out because we still don't have a, a confirmation of what's going on with our first placement. So what's happening is um, you get home. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to 
Download the new Bumble now. And you left and had two kiddos at home, and you got home, and you've got four kiddos at home. I left, and we had five kids at home. Oh. Because we still didn't have the, the confirmation for our first placement of leaving. So I'm, I'm walking in the front door of our tiny, tiny two-bedroom house, and Tara's sitting at the table with our caseworker, and she just has this defeated look on her face because she's just been emotionally so invested in this baby mm-hmm. uh, for the last 10 days and taking to all of his appointments that were just right at the beginning and, you know, told, hey, he might go home today mm-hmm. or not, but maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe not, but probably very weird. So and this is like and, the part of foster um, care where we were talking about, like, your knee jerk is like, how do I protect my family? And. You know, the truth is, whenever it comes to foster care is uh, foster parents, this is it. Like, this is this is the story that ends up being written in your life is um, to be able to say yes to caring for someone else um, and knowing that any semblance of control over the situation is just an illusion because um, there are so many other factors that go into um having having children in your home that that aren't yours and you have the the ability and um the responsibility and you know to take care of kids that are in foster care in your home but whenever it comes down to and any decisions down to like cutting hair um are decisions that go go to someone else um and it could be the caseworker it could be their biological parents but it's such an interesting place to um you use the word called. So like to be called to love kids in a way, like love kids so much that it hurts. Like that's what I always say is like if, if they end up going home, your job is to just have loved them so much that it hurts whenever they leave because that's what they deserve. So to be able to, to do that and do that well and then say goodbye to a, a kiddo that you've invested in 100%. Um, it's hard stuff. And the truth is, um, this is why, like, a lot of people are like, ah, I, I just don't think that's for me. Um, to which a lot of times I say, like, that's good. It's good to know your limits. There are other ways to support kids in foster care than being a foster parent. But this is definitely something I'm so I'm glad you're talking about it. Something that um, I think needs to be talked about more um, because I really believe in giving people appropriate expectations so that they can make a really informed choice that's right for their family and that includes knowing the hard stuff I I don't even know that I could say it better one of the things that we just that we really learned to live by is understanding that regardless of how long a child will be in our house it was our goal to impact their lives in a way that would last forever that we would give them everything that they could possibly have and knowing that the love that they experience in our household would change their life mm-hmm. for the better, regardless that they knew at some point in time, somebody was there to pick them up. And they knew that at some point in time, somebody was there to give everything they could of themselves to this child that they didn't even know mm-hmm. for them to have a chance at life that they needed to have. Mm-hmm. So that's a yeah, I think the way that you put it is perfect. That's a lot of it. I think is that you're making an investment that you may never see the returns on. 
um, because the goal of, of foster care is reunification. So um, a lot of times um, you're making an investment in, in building a really firm foundation for attachment that they're going to kind of vault from for the rest of their lives. Um, and having an adult in their life that's stable and dependable um, really builds that foundation well. So I love that. Um, <clears throat> so tell me about um, tell me about how the interaction went. You know, the caseworkers go home, and we are a day, and then two days, and then a week, and then six weeks into this. And tell me a little bit how that went for you. Sure. So as I'm thinking about it, I'm starting to get a little bit emotional because it was it was so, such a challenge uh, early on, and we've grown so much, which is fantastic. And you know a lot more of that story, but um, our first placement ended up going home at like 10:30 p.m. that night. So the night that everybody got there, we're like, I guess we're just gonna have five kids in a two-bedroom house and a dog. <laughs> and it's just gonna have to work. Oh my gosh. Um, we're just trying to figure out where cribs are gonna go and mattresses, <laughs> and it was gonna be fine. You know, we just said it's gonna be fine. It's fine. We'll wake it's up fine. tomorrow and they'll be here and it's gonna be fine. <laughs> um you know, when the caseworkers left, I think reality just really started to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know a lot of my story, but uh our oldest, the oldest of those two sisters, um ran as her and I, uh, she did not, she did not like men, uh, when she came to our house and she was just horribly afraid of me. Um, so that process was, was incredibly difficult from the time I would get home, uh, the second day, um, so she would fall asleep because she was exhausted. She would scream anytime I was anywhere in the vicinity that she could see. And again, we're in a two bedroom house. Like I have one place I can be where you can't see me and that's in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, our youngest Willa, four months old, I mean, would eat a ton, you know, holding her own bottle because, you know, somebody just never held it for her and tiny petite, petite little girl. I mean, four months old was fitting in newborn clothes. Um, I would put her to bed every night. Um, that was kind of the time that I had for bonding, which is was really, really good for me because I'm like, well, hey, at least one of these kids doesn't, you know, like totally despise me as a human being. Um, we get a couple weeks. Tara doesn't have the same issues, you know, when I'm not home. So you can tell that mm-hmm. she gets really frustrated when I get home and then they start, mm-hmm. you know, the oldest is like going crazy. And then you know, we you can tell them why it gets annoyed and why is all the screaming happening? And Tara's mm-hmm. like, she only does this when you're home. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. And I'm just sitting here this whole time thinking, okay, well, this may not be the hardest thing to stop doing when, you know, if, if she did go back, I'm like, yeah. she doesn't like me. Like, I feel like I that's don't, I don't know so why. understandable to like, whether it's a, a child that's in foster care or, you know, I've got a biological kid that's been hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's understandable and human for you to be like, hmm, it wouldn't be the worst yeah. thing in the world for this to stop for a second. So. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a challenge. And, and that was ongoing. And there was just these things that would happen. You know, we were going to the gym and, and, you know, the, our oldest foster girl um, had tipped over 
a piece of gym equipment, a tire uh, onto, onto my son and it broke his leg. And this was like three weeks into getting him. And so we're just starting to think like, why is this adding up? Like, why is this so hard? Um, so, you know, we kind of went from a, a potty trained three-year-old in the house to now a kid that was in a, a full leg up to his hip cast and couldn't walk on his own and two not potty trained little girls, you know, one of which is four months old. And we're like, what are we? I don't have a stroller that can accommodate this. <laughs> you know, it's like you just start thinking of the little things. You're carrying everybody everywhere. Yeah. Going to the store is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I don't want to go to the store because I'm tired and I don't get the right things. And But if I send Tara to the store, then I have all three kids, one of which just can't stand me as a human being. Like, how do we do this? Logistics. And it, it, it was, matters. You know, logistics. Yeah, no, it matters. It does matter. And we get, you know, we roll a little bit further down the road and I'm just, you know, Terrence, like, I think we're supposed to adopt these girls. And I'm like, no way. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't come home every day and just be yelled at. Like, I, because I, at that point in time, like, I'm giving everything I can. I'm feeling yeah. defeated. Like, yeah. totally. Yeah, totally I'm sure you, it looked like there was no end in sight. Like yeah. I, and, and, and that's what, just, that's what you've communicated before is like, it was, it was relentless. This, um, her reaction mm-hmm. to you was relentless. And I, I know you, so I know that there was a big part of you that feels compassion and you want to fix it because you're a really good dad and you care about these girls and just seeing their picture moved you to say, you know, I don't know if we can do this, but we're going to say yes. Um, so I know where your heart is, but also like human, like, and that's good to talk about. Like it is human to wonder like, oh my gosh, can I deal with this for the rest of my life? Can, can I deal with this for another year? Can I do that? So I think that that is, is reasonable. Tell me, um, tell me why you think that y'all didn't end up putting your 30 days notice. Cause I know that sometimes that happens. Um, and everybody's got to make their own choice about something like that. But what, why didn't you just say, Hey, I can't do this. So, you know, we had, we had had a couple meetings with our caseworker and they had just kept saying, no, I think they're supposed to be with you. And I'm like the only person in the room, like you don't live there. You have no idea. You know, I, I sleep on the, you know, I, I lay on my hard wooden floor in my small house next to the oldest girl's bed every night until she falls asleep because she doesn't want to fall asleep by herself, but she also doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And so I just lay on the floor in the middle of the room until she falls asleep every night. I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't do this. And I started looking at Wyatt with his, you know, full leg cast and he's, he's got like a little walker, and he just—he never complained one time about any of it. I'm sorry. Uh, oh my gosh, Ben. <sighs> he never complained one time um, about his leg hurting or being in a cast or who did it. And he never one time said, "I just wish I didn't have a sister," or "I wish they would just go back and it would just be us." He never said that. And I started thinking, I'm like, God, he's gone through so much. You know, he found this excitement in his life where he's, I'm going to be a big brother. It's really cool. And two weeks later, he gets his leg broken by one of them. 
Mm-hmm. And he was just okay. He just, he was okay. And I looked at him, I'm like, man, this kid, he's probably the glue right now because I'm just like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and I looked at what he was capable of doing at three years old, yeah. just having a little bit of faith in his life that this is just, this is just normal. This is normal. This is how normal people live. And I just started thinking to myself, I'm like, I mean, I can do hard stuff. This is fine. I can do hard stuff. We'll keep them until there's a determination in the case. Like we're just going to do it. And once I made that decision, it wasn't a week later that I'm just sitting on the living room floor and Ren saunters in. This is our oldest uh, girl. She just saunters in and looks at me and I, and I'm looking at a ball in the corner and I just kind of scoot over and I grab the ball and I roll it to her and she just sits down and starts rolling it back. She rolled the ball back. And that was it. Mm. That was it. We never had an issue ever again. Wow. And I wow. don't know, I don't know how that happened, but it was, whoa, it was on, it was at a good time because <laughs> I was so tired. I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine, yeah, like physically was, tired and emotionally just spent. I'm sure you are kind of vibrating at really high frequency there for a while um, between, you know, am I making the right decision for my family, for these girls, for these girls that are now part of my family? And I can't imagine what you and Tara were going through as well. Um, yeah. Hard stuff, man. And then, and then all of a sudden it turned around. I know that's not everybody's story. But also, I would no. say that you made the right decision for your family. Um, and every every situation is going to be different. Every child is going to be different. And um, one story is never going to look like another. But what I know for sure is true is that if you don't open yourself up to the possibilities, you never get moments like this. And it... And I'm going to say with that, that moments like that are definitely not the reason you should be doing foster care. Um, Absolutely not. Um, It's not, it's not about feeling good. Foster care is not about feeling good, but um, it will enrich your life in a way that you, you never really thought was going to be possible. So, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Hey, okay. So I think that's a good ending point there, but before... Um, I let you go. I have to ask you, what was your F-bomb moment? When did you know that you were never, never going to be the same again because of foster care? Was it with the girls? Was it in a meeting before you got licensed? What do you think? Uh, my F-bomb moment was when she rolled the ball back. Yeah, that would be my Um Yeah, that's, wow. that's 100% it that I just, at that point in time, it, my heart that had hardened so much to the situation just it broke open again and it just it bled for for them in their situation and i just didn't it was that literally at that point in in time during that process that i could not envision our family without them in it oh it was that was there and it had not been there before um i mean it took a while Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it really did and it it transformed to what I wanted and it became a non-question when they asked us, would you like to adopt them? Because they are not going to go back to their biological family. Mm-hmm. And it was just resounding and quick. Like, yeah, we Absolutely. are. And mm-hmm. 
after three years of court and COVID and mm -hmm. online hearings and delayed hearings and mediations, uh, October, um, we got to adopt them last October and yeah. it was, it was exceptional. And now it's just like, they've always been here. Mm -hmm. they, we don't know any different in our lives mm -hmm. and it's been fantastic. Hard. There's hard stuff. Yeah. Still, but I just, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about your story. I love, um, I love hearing both sides. We get a lot of um, foster care, um, I guess, really feel-good stories, and this definitely falls in that category, but it's um, necessary to hear the hard stuff, too, I, I think. Um, and again, not just not just to get it out there because um, it's, a, it's a great story. But I think people need to understand... Um, what comes with foster care, and absolutely it's um, kiddos and loving on kiddos and some complicated issues and stuff, but also there are, are moments that you could never have planned for, um, even after a season of really, really hard things. So I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's such, it was great, and thank you for bringing attention to what everybody needs to know about foster care. Yep. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media, and you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.